Welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast. Dean Daniel and Tabletop Tim are unavailable, so I'm here to tell you to thank Scribbles and Carlo for their support, and have a probably bad day. Welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. And today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Play a Call of Cthulhu investigator that finds Eldritch Horrors adorable. They consistently identify any action that a mythos entity does as trying to make friends and wanting a hug. I love personifying Cthulhu. (laughs) I think it's a really fun idea. I was like, yeah, oh, look, he's smiling. Like, no, that's his violence face. Like, the trouble is driving people insane with unspeakable revelations is how Eldritch Abominations express love. The unspeakable revelation is he was never actually your friend. That's why you're calling Cthulhu, because he just dumped you. calling Cthulhu because he's ghosted. <laughs> Ghosted by Cthulhu is the next hit game. The 3am booty call of Cthulhu. Don't know why I said booty call. We're, we're going with friends here, but... Friends with friends Platonic booty with call. Yeah, it's the actual... Do people drunk, do people drunk dial ex-friends? Is that a thing? Well, I guess you might do. Especially if your ex-friend is Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Drunk summoning. Get drunk. I, I do love to have a warlock who gets drunk and like an ex warlock who gets drunk and summons their old. Yeah, I don't miss you. I've got a new patron with cooler magic powers anyway. Give me Eldritch Blast again. I like the idea of, yeah, just a, a very like trying to be the Steve Irwin of the Cthulhu mythos, except it turns out they aren't just gorgeous little guys, and they will try and kill you. I mean, they could be gorgeous little guys and try and kill That is true. I guess that that does happen in the show Crocodile Hunter. Yeah. He's just good at avoiding it. Like, most adorable things will try to kill you. I am now just picturing 1920s Steve Owen. Like, I'm trying to picture Steve Irwin with, like, your classical, like, 1920s radio and announcer voice. I feel like it'd have to be Mr. Stephen Irwin presents. This is... this is a... I don't know why this feels like such a bleak AU to me. It's no bleaker than anything else Call of Cthulhu. Because I think what you would need, you need two investigators. One of whom anthropomorphizes Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. And the other one is able to accurately tell when an eldritch abomination is like expressing happiness or joy or distress. I feel like the way you keep it fresh is which is doing which depends on which eldritch abomination. Yeah, like yeah. So one of them knows Cthulhu body language, and the other knows Yogsafor body language. But they have really different body language, so they keep mm. trying to apply Yogsafor. I can't pronounce that name. Um, bubble man. I hate. <laughs> I keep trying to apply bubble man, um, psychology to tentacle man, and it doesn't work. 
Eldritch horrors are just like Tentacle Man, Ice Man, Theater Man. Theater Man? Theater Man. What Eldritch horror is Theater Man? Houster, who is known for appearing through his cool play. Basically, imagine a theater kid if that theater kid had the ability to warp reality if you didn't like his play. I feel like people should stop putting on Theater Man's play. They should, really. Like, I guess that is the other thing with Call of Cthulhu, is it isn't a bit unclear why you are summoning these guys. Like, it... I've never played Call of Cthulhu. I always assumed the intent was to, like, hunt down and stop the people who are summoning, but you're, you're telling me you actually want Cthulhu to happen. I only play Call of Cthulhu as Cthulhu. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, sum, why are the summoners summoning these guys? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a bit unclear what you're meant to get out of all of this. Yeah, like, the thing is, real-life apocalypse cults, I can at least understand what their end goal is, because they, they want the rapture to happen. Cthulhu doesn't so much have a rapture as everyone gets eaten now. Yeah, it's like the rapture if no one, if everyone goes to hell. Hmm. It's the bad rapture. Or bapture. But yeah, anyway, so... Maybe you want a hug, and he's got so many tentacles, he can hug you real tight. Like, a lot of people mistakenly think that being summoned is a thing like a fool is like, because they wag their tentacles. But that's actually a threat display, um, and that's why they destroy the world after you do it. So they're, they're trying to summon Cthulhu because they think that that's what he wants, and he will be their friend. Yeah. I like that. In fact, Cthulhu... like, oh look, his eyes are so human-like. No, if you can see the whites of his eyes, he's in severe distress and will eat you. You have all those cute images of Cthulhu being your friend online, and then if you get an actual eldritch expert to look at them, it's like, nope, that Cthulhu is sad, that's why it's eating all those babies. It's like 1920s supernatural the dodo. I also like the idea that we eat all the eldritch abominations. Are you telling me you wouldn't try Cthulhu Calamari? Like, I feel you probably shouldn't eat the Eldritch Abominations, but I also probably would. You gotta try it once. If we get a million subscribers, we will kill and eat Cthulhu. <laughs> if we ever get a million subscribers, they're gonna be held to so many good bargains. But at that point, we'll be so rich. Yeah. <laughs> Like, there's definitely something in crossing the gulf between the Aldrich and the human with more understanding that's an actual idea here. I, I do like the idea of, like, a, an Eldritch behaviorist mm. who is just <laughs> summoning the Great Old Ones one at a time in a controlled environment to study their behaviors. But the problem is they only understand how they behave in captivity. It's like wolf mm. studies. Yeah, like, actually, there's no such thing as a high priest of great old ones. That's just how they act in captivity. Are you suggesting that the high priest is the alpha cultist? Yeah. Cthulhu is just the alpha great old one. It's sure an idea. It explains so little. <laughs> but yeah, like, weirdly, scientifically summoning Cthulhu is one of the best explanations for why you would summon Cthulhu. 
Because, you know, scientists are weirdos. I guess it's it's like it's the supernatural equivalent of when we turn on the Large Hadron Collider, we might make a black hole. Like when we summon Cthulhu, we might exterminate humanity, but we have to try for science. When we turn on the Large Hadron Collider, we might summon Cthulhu. There's not a high chance, but there's not I mean, a high chance. Anything you do might summon Cthulhu. Like that's something, that's something I always wonder about with magical rituals. Like you must get some poor bastard who casts like a summoning spell entirely by accident. Oh yeah, like I I always feel like in magical settings this must be the way a lot of spells are discovered before mm. people start like properly studying magic. It's just like oh, it turns out if I say these words while moving my hands like this. I explode. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, magic exists, the reason we don't know about it is that the first spell everyone discovers is blow themselves up. What do you think spontaneous human combustion is? <laughs> spontaneous human combustion is when someone discovers magic. Yeah, like, I like this idea. Like, it gives the masquerade more bite. Why does no one discover supernatural creatures? Because every supernatural creature is eaten by a bear immediately. <laughs> The same bear. <laughs> I the cast bear is God. I cast summon God Bear who immediately eats me for my hubris. <laughs> That's the point where we should move on to questions because I don't think we're going to top God Bear. Oh, so we don't want to risk summoning God Bear. Hi, I'm Hazel. And I'm Liz. And we are two friends who studied archaeology together and who make a podcast about food and domestic history. It's called Bread and Thread. And so if you would like to know all about ancient sheep breeds and how to make them pay, where apples come from, really, in the beginning, or if you'd like the Virgin Mary's recipe for spinach, then look up Bread and Thread on wherever you get your podcasts and learn all these and more fun and interesting historical fact framed as a relaxed chat between two nerdy best friends. Uh, so our first question is anonymous. Bad ideas for an all bard party. First idea, an all bard party. <laughs> so I feel like the good all bard party is pro now you've all got different subclasses, some of you multi-class some sort of like touring band who I guess stumbles upon something. Like it's it's like the film Green Room, but you survive through <laughs> bad bullshit. Because you've got balls and magic powers. Yeah, bad bullshit. Yeah. I think an all law bard and it's just a bunch of nerds doing nerd shit. This is the folklorist convention. Yeah. It's like a folklorist convention has promised actual folklore, by which I mean a black shark will show up. Oh, doggy. Nee. <laughs> yeah, the first, the first folklore convention which promises actual folklore. Thing is, I would play that, that like, one shot. But it's like, behold, the power of story, and then some idiot just summons 
some like mythical beastie that everyone then has to deal with. I do like because you do have a like surprisingly recurrent trope of like if you tell stories about a thing, it will appear. And just this one law bard who's wrecking havoc everywhere they go. And I keep being like, let me tell you the story of the flesh-eating giant. And I was like, oh god, shut the fuck up. <laughs> he stopped telling us stories about evil things that will kill and eat us. I mean, I hope you know I've now decided that the verbal component for every like summon monster type spell is just saying the name of the creature three times. Every verbal component for a summon monster is a 30-minute long story. Which must be told out of character as well. Yeah. The bard just talks really fast, and that's why it's a run-around action. So yeah, other bad bard ideas. I mean, the obvious joke is you're all trying to avoid child support, but that's probably too obvious. So instead, you're all trying to find your various children to pay child support. You're all competing for the hand of the same completely uninterested noble. You're all competing for the hand of the same completely interested dragon. Oh. And the reason the dragon set up all the traps is to make you fuck off. I weirdly like that they have a dungeon that's just all the monsters are here to try and get it into your head that the dragon's just not into you. Intervention dungeon. Yeah. Orc is hitting with an axe while going, learn some boundaries. And nothing just shows up and starts blurting out every way that your actions have harmed it. <laughs> I, I actually like the idea of you going to a dungeon, you're there, like the door opens, all the monsters are sat on chairs going, you know, we care about you, but we need to have a talk. <laughs> Sitting on them. They've just been considering this as like a friendly rivalry as you stab them multiple times in the face. See, this is the thing, Kyle. All I do is I summon one little zombie, and then you immediately kill it. I just wanted an extra person to play backgammon with. <laughs> Keep overreacting, Kyle. Kyle, you're stabbing Steve right now. Like, if resurrection is, like, a thing, then there must be, like, casual murder rivalries in the D&D world. Like, yeah, I, sorry, I, I don't get on well with Steve. He killed me and my family that one time. Really made things awkward between us. Lit rivals who just keep killing each other and then they come back because of their phylacteries and they just keep going. Hmm. It's been like this for a thousand years. The country the second... has been laid waste to. <laughs> They're the second intervention after we're finished with the adventurers. Mm -hmm. There's a queue of like magical bastards outside. You've got to work your way up to the homoerotic liches. There's your bar, old bard pr uh, premise. You're working your way up to the homoerotic liches. <laughs> to do what to them? That's up to you. Each bard has a different idea. <laughs> so our second question um, is from Mad Science for Idiots. 
Thoughts on the Paladin and Warlock, who both get power from the same entity. Firstly, powerful username. Yeah. Secondly, I hmm. I feel like you need to add in a cleric and a sorcerer too. I I like this because three of them have some sort of like varying levels of personal relationship with this entity. Mm. The sorcerer is presumably just its descendant. Mm. They've, or maybe like, just probably its kid. I mean, like maybe what it is. Is these three have got like you know, you know, one they all serve the entity to various degrees, and it's like, here's my layabout great grandson. Take him on an adventure to get him out the house. That is beautiful. Like ah, I I worship the god of light. I serve the god of light in battle. I made a deal with the god of light. God of light fucked me, Nan. God of Light Fucked Me Nan is the name of the campaign. I think I also do like the idea of like so you have like a deity of something, like let's say a god of death. Mm -hmm. And you have the paladin who's like, yes I serve this god of like, you know finality and eternal rest and was like, yeah I serve this god of murdering the shit out of everyone. And it is in fact the same god, they're just very differing on its moral opinions. I like this because paladins and warlocks, they're, they're both... Neither of them really gets the opportunity to interact directly with their patrons very yeah. much. If at all. So they're fully just like interpreting the same sign different ways. Yeah. They're just that cartoon of the two people study the sign of either a six or a nine arguing yeah. about what it is. Actually, that would be really interesting as a concept. Oh no, a good idea. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you could have, like, differing opinions on what, like, the nature god wants. And the nature god is just throwing, like, bees at you, so god knows what that means. Nature god knows. I like it specifically with a nature god, because it's like, well, do, does the god of nature want us to save these bodies, or does do they want us to let nature take its course and let them be eaten? Do they want to save these bunnies, or do they want us to eat these bunnies? Or feed these bunnies to a larger, stronger creature? Or feed the larger, stronger creature to the bunnies? What we do know is the nature god's commands revolve entirely around bunnies. It's actually the god of bunnies who recently got a promotion and hasn't quite adjusted to the new role. There's a setting there where it's like, yeah, all, all of nature's bunnies now due to an um, bureaucratic upset in the celestial bureaucracy. No, I say a clerical error. Hey, get out. Um, I guess the alternative way is like... Okay, the idea I just came up with is you have the paladin whose deity is like, you know, your standard paladin deity of honour and um, nobility. And then this warlock shows up and made a pact with and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that was in my youth. I've got past that stage of my life, but no, I did, I did make a few, I was a patron to a few warlocks. I'm not proud of it. Midlife crisis warlock. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's like, should I have been an evil deity all along? I'm not sure. Or I'll give a warlock the ability to eldritch blast babies just to be sure. Specifically babies. Specifically, like, my eldritch blast only works on babies. It's completely useless. 
I think I'm really into this idea of a deity that has just had a lot of character growth. Yeah. And it just, it just, the news hasn't quite spread all the way yet. So you could even bring in the the cleric again. The warlock is what is like when the deity was young and edgy, and then the cleric is is like, oh, I'm going to swing hard the other way. I'm going to try and be perfect. And then the paladin is like, okay, sometimes violence is the answer, but we're still, I'm still going to try and be a good person. It's just a a character development party, but the character is unseen the, the entire they, time they're all worshipping yeah in in the rpg invisible sons one of the plot points is a church whose deity has just come out as trans and so they are sending adventurers off to find ancient relics so that they can amend them to have the correct pronouns which i really like that's adorable yeah there is an ancient tome lost uh in a remote dungeon and obviously it dead names the deity uses the incorrect pronouns so we need you to go get it and bring it here so that we can like amend that thing is i am now picturing like a divine gic you know a god identity clinic (laughs) where like you have to prove that you've been living as a goddess for at least 600 years which incidentally is about the same wait time as the human one yeah, you, your your quest is to go and get your deity um, transition surgery. First, you must find the holy scalpel. I'm pretty sure the question we were asking was, "What if your god is trans?" I mean, maybe the paladin and the warlock—they know that the god is trans, but they don't know in which direction, so they don't know who is more accurate. And their quest is to find God and ask his pronouns. Or her. Or, or her. I may have. Or I goes may, on for several minutes. I may have just misgendered God. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, I think like each of them thinks a different thing about their God is the way to go. Mm-hmm. With various levels of serious theological disputes to my version of God could beat up your version of God in a McDonald's car park. I do also like the idea of paladins that worship. Not necessarily god gods, but like warlock patrons. Like, what would a paladin mm. of the Archfey look like? I have sworn an oath to be intensely annoying. Everywhere I go, I am continuously pulling pranks. There's an undead warlock now, isn't there? Yeah. Undead paladin who, instead of being able to like turn undead, turns alive. <laughs> I have the power Which is a to... much more powerful spell, really. Yeah, I have the power to turn undead in the sense I can walk up to you and turn you undead. I also have the power to turn dead. It involves hitting you with this sword. <laughs> I have the power to turn dead. Watch. Jumps off a cliff. <laughs> I can only use it once. I guess we all have the power to turn dead, but once for a lifetime. Although it is like a D&D setting, so... Resurrection is a thing. That's true. Temporarily die, just sort of lie down on the floor for ten minutes. You wake up, the combat's finished. (laughs) This is my strategy for any situation, is to hurl myself into the void and come out, and if the fight's still going on, I hurl myself back in. Magically playing possum. (laughs) 
I have mastered the art of sorcery so as to immediately leave any event that could be interesting to play through and instead sit here eating sandwiches. I, I hope these are sufficient thoughts for you mad science for idiots. I hope these are at least thoughts because it is debatable. It truly is. But anyway, thank you for... And also our condolences for listening to a podcast. So if, if you enjoyed our thoughts and want them to continue, you can support them on Patreon at, at patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas um, where you can get more thoughts in the form of bonus episodes, homebrew, and existing in the same Discord server as us and the other patrons. Really, all life is is selling thoughts to people. Debatable. No. <laughs> That's me told. Um, if you have a question, you can message Bad Probably on Blue Sky. I don't know if there's messages, but you can at um, Probably Bad RPG Ideas on Tumblr or email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. And, and remember have to have a, a probably, probably bad, bad day. day. Bye.